Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Gisela Guillar, and I go through the Bible chapter by chapter, guiding you, even if you've never read the Bible before. Right now, I'm going through the Old Testament. They are the historical accounts of Jesus' ancestors that point to Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. And I'm also planning special articles to help bring the Bible to life. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in the hope, joy, and peace that only the living God, Jesus Christ, can give. Be blessed. Second Chronicles chapters 3 through 5. King Solomon's new epic temple is all about God's glory. King David gave his son Solomon the plans and passed on the task of building the great majestic temple. These next chapters are very descriptive and visual. and You really need to check out the video at the bottom with a 3D computer rendering and a guided tour. It will help you visualize the glory of the temple. Let's dig in. Second Chronicles 3, Solomon builds the temple. So Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. And by the way, Mount Moriah was where um, God told Abraham to take um, his son Isaac to um, give him up as a sacrifice. And if you don't remember what happened there, that's in Genesis um, click on over to my blog and click on the link on Mount Moriah there in that first uh, sentence. Check out that story. Um, Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Aruna's, uh, the, Aruna the Jebusite, the site that David had selected. The construction began in mid-spring during the fourth year of Solomon's reign. Um, these are the dimensions Solomon used for the foundation of the temple of God using the old standard measurement. It was 90 feet long and 30 feet wide. They used cubits back then. So it's approximately 18 inches a cubit. So, but the translation I'm using just put it all in feet so we can understand it. The entry room at the front of the temple was 30 feet wide, running across the entire width of the temple and 30 feet high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. He paneled the main room, the temple with cypress wood, overlaid it with fine gold and decorated it with fine carvings of palm trees and chains. He decorated the walls of the temple with beautiful jewels and with gold from the land of Parva, Parvain. He overlaid the, be, the beams, threshold walls and doors throughout the temple with gold and he carved the figures of cherubim on the walls. He made the most holy place 30 feet wide, corresponding to the width of the temple and 30 feet deep. He overlaid its interior with 23 tons of fine gold. The gold nails that were used weighed 20 ounces each. He also overlaid the walls of the upper rooms with gold. He made two figures shaped like cherubim, overlaid them with gold and placed them in the most holy place. The total wingspan of the two cherubim standing side by side was 30 feet. One wing of the first figure was seven and a half feet and it touched the temple wall. The other wing, also seven and a half feet, touched 
one of the wings of the second figure in the same way the second figure had one wing seven and a, seven and a half feet long that touched the opposite wall the other wing also seven and a half feet long touched the wing of the first figure um and if you want to take a look at uh, i have a picture of what that may have looked like um and also it's in the video so the wingspan of the two cherubim side by side was 30 feet it stood on their uh, they stood on their feet and faced out toward the main room of the temple across the entrance of the most high place he hung a curtain made of fine linen decorated with blue purple and scarlet thread and embroidered with figures of cherubim for the front of the temple he made two pillars that were 27 feet tall each toppled by a capital uh, extending upward um seven and a half feet he made a network of interwoven chains and used them to decorate the tops of the pillars. He also made a hundred decorative pomegranates and attached them to the chains. Then he set up the two pillars at the entrance of the temple, one to the south of the entrance and the other to the north. He named the one on the south Jachin and the one on the north Boaz. And then um, as a note, Jachin probably means he establishes and Boaz probably means in him is strength. I remember the name Boaz. That's a person that's the man Ruth married. You go find the book of Ruth. Um, Second Chronicles 4, furnishings for the temple. Solomon also made a bronze altar 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 15 feet high. Then he cast a great round basin 15 feet across from rim to rim called the sea. It was seven and a half feet deep and about 45 feet in circumference. It was encircled just below its rim by two rows of figures that resembled oxen. There were about six oxen per foot all, um, per foot all the way around, and they were cast as part of the basin. The sea was placed on a base of 12 bronze oxen, all facing outward. Three faced north, three faced west, three faced south, and three faced east. The sea rested on them. The walls of the sea were about three inches thick. Its rim flared out like a cup and resembled a water lily blossom. It could hold about um, 16,500 tons of water. He also made 10 smaller basins for washing the utensils for the burnt offerings. He set five on the south side and five on the north, but the priests washed themselves in the sea. He then cast 10 gold lampstands according to the specifications that had been given, and he put them in the temple. Five were placed against the southern wall, and five were placed against the north wall. One menorah wasn't enough. He had to have 10. He also built 10 tables and placed them in the temple, five along the south wall and five along the north rim, the north wall, and then he molded 100 gold basins. He then built a courtyard for the priests, also a large outer courtyard, and made the doors of the courtyard entrances, overlaid them with bronze. The great bronze basin called the sea was placed near the southeast corner of the temple. Horam Abi, which, who's the um, artesian that came from um, Syria, um, to, uh, from King Hiram of Syria, he was, um, he, um, uh, that's what that is. Um, so Huram Abi also made the necessary wash basins, shovels, and bowls. So at last, Huram Abi completed everything King Solomon had assigned him to make for the temple of God. The two pillars, the two bowl-shaped capitals on the top of the pillars, the two network of interwoven chains and de de that decorated the capitals, 
400 pomegranates that hung from the chains on the capitals, two rows of pomegranates for each of the chain networks that decorated the capitals on the top of the pillars, the water carts holding the basins, the sea, and the 12 oxen under it, the ash bu buckets, the shovels, the meat hooks, and all the related articles. Purim Abi made all these things of, of burnished bronze for the temple of the Lord, just as King Solomon had directed. The king had them cast in clay molds in the, in the Jordan Valley between Succoth and Zarathan. Solomon used such great quantities of bronze that its weight could not be determined. Solomon also made all the furnishings for the temple of God, the gold altar, the tables for the bread of the presence, the lampstands and their lamps of solid gold to burn in front of the most holy place as prescribed. The flower decorations, lamps and tongues, all of purest gold. The lamps, snuffers, bowls, ladles, and incense burners, all of solid gold. The doors for the entrances of the most holy place and the main room of the temple overlaid with gold. And chapter five, the ark brought to the temple. So Solomon finished all his work on the temple of the Lord. Then he brought all the gifts his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the various articles, and he stored them in the treasuries of the temple of God. Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of, of the tribes and the leaders of the ancestral families of Israel, they were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. So all the men of Israel assembled before the king at the annual festival of shelters, is also known as Tabernacles or Sukkot, which is held in early autumn. When all the elders of Israel arrived, the Levites uh, picked up the Ark, uh, the priests and the Levites the, the priests and the Levites brought up the ark along with the special tent and all the sacred items that had been in it. There before the ark, King Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed so many sheep, goats, and cattle that no one could keep count. Then the priests carried the ark of the Lord's covenant into the inner sanctuary uh, of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the ark, forming a canopy over the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place, which is in the front of the most holy place, or the holy of holies, but not from the outside. They are still there to this day. Well, not exactly to this day. <laughs> um, actually, in Ezra's day, they weren't there either. Maybe the poles are, but the ark isn't. Oh, well. Anyway, that's a little mystery right there. Nothing was in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses, Moses had placed at, the Mount, uh, at Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they left. Hmm, weren't there some other things in the ark, like um, the jar of manna and Aaron's staff that had bloomed? Hmm, where'd those things go? Well, um, just in a little bit, I'll go over the, where, the, where the ark has been. Then the priests left the holy place. All the priests who were present had purified themselves, whether or not they were on duty that day. And the Levites, who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, and all their sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen robes and stood at the east side of the altar, playing cymbals and lyres and harps. 
They were joined by 120 priests who were playing trumpets. The trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpet cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. And that's the end of Second Chronicles chapter 5. And you can, again, click on over my blog. Check out the pictures that I have there and also the video. So we went from tabernacle to the temple and now and then to the second coming. So what's yet to come? So it started with God giving Moses detailed instructions on building the temporary mobile um, tabernacle in the book of Exodus. And again, I have studies on all these sections, so you can click on over to my blog and go deeper on these uh, and catch all these stories if you're not familiar with them. When the Israelites arrived in the promised land, the tabernacle settled in Shiloh or Shiloh. One time when fighting the Philistines, and this was before King Saul, some Israelite soldiers had the bright idea of taking the Ark of the Covenant into battle with them. Well, the Philistines stole it. What happened next was very funny. You want, if you're not familiar with that story, you've got to check it out in my blog. Soon after, King Saul moved the tabernacle near his home in Nob, then eventually to Gibeon. The ark ended up in Kiriath Jerem. Subsequently, King David brought it from there to Jerusalem. And we read that in First Chronicles. Finally, Solomon brings the altar to Jerusalem to furnish the temple, and it is all complete again. The finished temple was two times the size of the tabernacle. It's hard to Im imagine the beauty and majesty of this temple. Check out the video below in, in, in the bottom of my blog with the 3D rendering. You've got to watch. It's about 10 minutes long, but it's, all, it's worth it. Ultimately, the saddest, most tragic part is that because of the people's abject disobedience, sinning against God by worshiping false gods and man-made idols, this beautiful temple was lost. It was totally destroyed, burned to the ground, its gold, silver, and bronze furnishings stolen and carried away to Babylon, all preventable. When Jerubbabel led the first contingent of returning Jews, they brought back some of what remained of the temple treasures. Some elders who remember Solomon's temple from their youth cried because the rebuilt one was nothing like the first one. And that was in the um, chapter three of Ezra. By Ezra's time, the ark was missing altogether. Where did it go? Um, and I have an article on that. <laughs> um, now here's, <coughs> I found a quote from uh, David Guzik. He is a Bible teacher and commentator. Um, and he wrote about the cloud of glory. As the cloud that led Israel through the wilderness, the cloud which God spoke to Israel from Mount Sinai, the cloud from which God met Moses and others, the cloud that filled the tabernacle, the cloud from which God appeared to the high priest at Yom Kippur, the cloud that Ezekiel called the brightness of God's glory, the cloud that overshadowed the womb of the Virgin Mary, the cloud that covered the mountaintop of Jesus' transfiguration, the cloud that received Jesus into heaven, at his ascension, the cloud that will display the glory of Jesus at his second coming. And that's from David Guzik. Now, I want to add the cloud that will come to retrieve his born-again believers in the rapture, which can happen in any moment. 
and you don't want to be left behind. And the only way you can experience God's glory is to invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and the confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says, how to invite Jesus into your heart. Um, actually, no, because I changed that, and now it says how to know Jesus. I shortened it. I keep forgetting to say that. Um, uh, and uh, and in the bottom of the blog, I have Solomon's Temple Explained, which is about a 10-minute video all with a tour of a computer rendering of Solomon's Temple with an explanation. And then from the Bible Project, I have explaining the whole concept of the temple from Genesis all the way to Revelation which it definitely it is it really just clarifies a lot of stuff and then i have a beautiful song with um his love endures forever which is was one of the the phrase songs that they sang um uh, this is by chris tomlin we don't know exactly what that song sounded like um soli deo gloria to god alone be the glory If you're just starting to read the Bible and prefer to hold a book in your hands rather than use an app, it's a good idea to get a study Bible. But which version or translation is best? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and the thous and stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version, and that was great for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New Living Translation. I'm an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen two study Bibles that would be great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. 
Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.